Oral questions by members. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, once again, I find myself standing in this legislature pointing out the massive chasm between NDP promises and the results that we actually get. The Premier and this NDP government have utterly failed on their one signature promise they made to the parents of Surrey, the total eradication of Surrey school portables. The NDP promised in 2017, and I'm going to quote here, quote, a total removal of these portables over the course of the next four years, end of quote. Well, here we are six years later. How are they doing? Well, in a truly remarkable twist, instead of eradicating the portables, they somehow managed to double the portables in Surrey. Now, British Columbians have become all too familiar with grand promises that amount to nothing, but achieving the exact opposite of what they promised is a new level of incompetence even for them. So my question to the Premier is a simple one. Why, after promising to eliminate all school portables in Surrey, have the NDP managed to double the number of portables in Surrey? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. Uh, every parent of every kid in our province uh, needs to know that their kid is going to school in a place that's safe, in a place that's modern, and that's great to learn. And that's our commitment to all parents in British Columbia, and uh, we're continuing that important work. It's no less true uh, in Surrey than anywhere else in the province. That's why we have more than two and a half times the amount of capital money in our budget to deliver schools for British Columbians than the member did when he sat on this side of the House, Honourable Speaker. Specifically on the issue of Surrey, we have opened 10, specifically on the issue of Surrey, we have opened 10,000 uh, new spaces uh, for students. There's 16 new schools or additions that are complete or underway across Surrey. And uh, to the member, he may remember flatlining the capital budget for education when he was yeah. finance minister. And for the four years before the last election, not building a single school in Surrey. So we are recovering. We are recovering from the uh, legacy that he left. But we are doing that work, Honourable Speaker, because the people of Surrey deserve it. There you go. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Please, we can't deal with any more recovery. My God. I mean, this is, this is a classic example. We'll double the amount of money we spend to get double the worst results. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, you know, as much as the Premier will try and duck and dodge, the bottom line is he cannot ignore the fact they promised to eliminate portables within four years, and they've somehow managed to double the number of portables in Surrey. But it gets even better. Stay tuned. It gets even better. Because now, in a truly historic manner, they are now going to introduce NDP double-decker portables. That's right. Double-decker portables. Right now, they are stacking portables on top of each other at Fleetwood Park Secondary School. Here's a letter from the Surrey Board of Education sent to the Minister yesterday, copied to all the Surrey MLAs, and it reads, and I quote, 
We have tried to advocate for funding privately and held meetings with you, the ministry, and local MLAs. Unfortunately, these meetings have not resulted in sufficient funding. End of quote. Now just picture this, Mr. Speaker. All those NDP MLAs, including, by the way, the Surrey MLA, who's the Minister of Education, have totally failed on the one signature promise they made to the parents and children in Surrey, and that is to deal with the issue of portables. So again, a simple question to the Premier. It's actually about portables, and I say this on behalf of all the parents of Surrey. How on earth did the Premier manage to, instead of eliminating portables, double them and now double-decker them? Premier. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, our province has seen incredible growth. And one of the reasons for this growth is people choosing to move here from other provinces, from other countries because of the economic opportunities here, because of remarkable programs like our childcare program leading the way across the nation. And that's good news for us. We're growing. We're a successful province. But it brings challenges. Our infrastructure is facing major strains. We committed almost $100 million to Surrey specifically because that community is growing so quickly, they're seeing the bulk of this growth. And that, it's, it's good news for Surrey, it's good news for BC, but we've got to meet that need. That's why we have- Mem Members, 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 Shh. members, please continue. But literally the equivalent of 400 new classrooms, 10,000 new spaces for students in Surrey, spaces that should have been built, frankly, should have been well underway, when the members on that side of the House were on this side of the House. Honourable Speaker, I don't know. Members. Member, members, 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 members will come to order. That member is smiling, Honourable Speaker, but I don't know how you stand up and smile and ask that question when you didn't build a single new school in Surrey and, and sold the land that the schools were supposed to be built on, Honourable members. Speaker. I'll tell you this, the parents of Surrey weren't smiling when he was sitting on this side of the house. Members. Let's listen to each other, please. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, it's, it's pretty clear from that response that this Premier hasn't even taken the time to read the letter that was sent to his minister yesterday. It is very clear from that response. This is how the trustee, Terry Allen, describes the letter, and I quote, the letter is to say, Minister, Provincial Government, please look at Surrey's request again because you're actually failing the students and parents in Surrey. End quote. That is from a trustee. The education minister from Surrey has failed. The member from Surrey Cloverdale has failed. The member from Surrey Fleetwood has failed. The member from Surrey Guilford and the member from Surrey Newton and Wally have all failed parents and teachers. But this failure, this failure in Surrey, this campaign promise that has been broken again and again falls at the feet of this Premier. So my question to the Premier is today, when will this Premier stop failing students and parents in Surrey by doubling up on portables? Minister of Education. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And I really want to thank the member for the question. And I'm really happy that you are concerned about the education. While, while your leader was the finance minister, he, he froze the education funding. And for the last four years, in the last government, uh, there was not a single school that was built in Surrey. And there was only one extension. We are investing in our future, and that's what we are doing in Surrey. We are listening to the needs and the priorities of the Surrey, Surrey communities, Surrey students, and we are investing in there. Since 2017, Mr. Speaker, we have invested half a billion dollars in capital investment. That has opened six new schools, Mr. Speaker. Let's many new expansions Members. and many more are coming. We'll keep on listening to the needs of the Surrey community and we'll, work, we'll keep on working on that. Member for Surrey White Rock, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, let me say it again. Here is where we are at now in Surrey under this Premier, this Minister, this NDP government. Double-decker portables. Double-decker portables. That is what we're. That is the vision for the NDP in Surrey. Members, so please. you know what? Here's what this premier is doing. He's emptying prisons and he's double bunking students. That is this premier's legacy. Instead of eliminating portable, and the premier laughs and he thinks it's funny. He thinks it's funny that students will go their entire, uh, entire career. In a portable. Members. The Premier finds this funny. I have students, I have kids that go to school in Surrey, constituents that do. The Premier should know he campaigned on a promise. He has broken that promise. Not only has he broken it, he's doubled down on it. He's doubled down on it. Now we're getting double-decker portables. <laughs> Trustee Terry Allen says again, and I quote, eliminating portables will never happen in my lifetime, end quote. So instead of laughing, can this Premier get up in the House and admit he has absolutely failed Surrey, the parents, the students, and why is he doubling down on this failure and doubling up on portables? Members, let's hear the answer, please. Minister of Education. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, we are creating 10,000 new seats in Surrey, and that is equivalent to 400 uh, new classrooms. We know uh, that Surrey, uh, we, uh, more than 250,000 people made British Columbia their home, and many of them chose Surrey, and rightly so, as I did uh, more than 20 years ago. Surrey is, the, is one of the best places to live here in British Columbia. And uh, last year, Members. Uh, Mr. Speaker, we had over 1,700 new students uh, student seats open compared to last year. We will keep on working. We have a list of uh, the schools that have opened. I would love to tell the member all the schools that have opened, all the seats that we have created. We'll keep on working with the, with the Board of Education, listening to their needs and their priorities. Members, members, members. House Leader of Third Party. 
Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Three weeks ago, the Vancouver Police Department restricted media from covering the sweeps of the downtown east side. Traffic cameras were turned off. The media were barred uh, from entering the area. Police chief cited privacy and safety concerns. It's part of a pattern of concerning police behavior that seems to be increasing. Last year, media was restricted from covering the ongoing demonstrations on Wet'suwet'en territory and journalists were unlawfully arrested. It also occurred at the demonstrations at Ferry Creek. Media restrictions placed by the RCMP were found to, quote, interfere with the important liberties of members of the media, end quote, by Justice Thompson of the BC Supreme Court. A free press is necessary for a healthy democracy, but despite warnings from our highest court, police forces continue to restrict media and hope to get away with it. My question, Mr. Speaker, is to the Solicitor General. What has he done to support the freedom of the press in incidents involving the police? Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question uh, for the member. And what I can tell him is that, as he well knows, there are uh, processes and procedures in place uh, to guide and to, uh, that are often ruled on when complaints are brought. There is a complaint process, and individuals can bring uh, those complaints forward, and they will be acted on. Uh, in some cases, they determine a court of law, and the court and a judge make a ruling, and my expectation is that the police abide by those rulings. Uh, I note the, uh, some of the things that the member uh, noted, particularly in Vancouver. It was out for about 10 minutes. It was not uh, anything uh, malicious. Uh, it was just an, an, an outage. Uh, but uh, we have rules in place. I expect police to follow them. And when they don't, there are complaint processes that are uh, in place, statute-driven, that are able to, uh, to deal with them. Member Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Our public is seeing police forces uh, growing increasingly authoritarian and out of the reach of independent uh, oversight. The RCMP are not directly accountable to the communities they serve. They're accountable to Ottawa. The BC Conservation Service is a quasi-police force. They're embedded within the provincial government but don't have any policing oversight body. The Chief Constable of the Vancouver Police Department bragged about how they don't answer to anybody. To quote the Chief, Quote, I don't report to any politician. I don't report to the city of Vancouver. I don't report to the province of BC or the federal government, end quote. So who are they accountable to? Police are meant to protect and serve the communities they represent. Instead, we've enabled a inflation of power and the police forces boast about not having to report to anybody. My, Mr. Speaker, my question is again to the Solicitor General. A special committee of this house tasked well, tasked by him with reforming the Police Act and delivering better accountability for police forces was one of our recommendations. What progress has he made uh, to this recommendation? Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question. Um, first off, the police are accountable. They're accountable to the public. They're accountable to their communities. They're accountable to the province. They're accountable to the federal government. And there are mechanisms in place to ensure that. Uh, one of the things, and they have a very difficult job, as the member well knows, and I think all of us in this chamber know. But what I can also tell the member is that the work of the all-party committee, uh, my ministry has been working very hard on those recommendations. Uh, there will be uh, a phased approach in terms of dealing with the, uh, the recommendations in that committee. Uh, the first phase will be dealing with, the, uh, the, with governance and oversight uh, issues, uh, some of them identified in the, uh, the all-party report, others identified by work that's gone on within my ministry. Uh, and it is my expectation and my, uh, my plan as minister to have legislation dealing with those particular issues. 
uh, ready for the fall session uh, this year uh, when we come back in October. Member for Peace River South. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. Since 2017, there's been a staggering 191% increase in critical injuries and deaths of children known to or in the care of this government. BC's representative for children and youth has reported 528 lost lives and 7,362 gravely injured children. In our committee for children and youth, we've had to listen to the heartbreaking stories of this loss. And the painful reality that we hear on this committee, though, sharply contradicts the repeated promises and the comments made by this Premier and his party when they were in opposition. So we would need to understand how can the Premier justify his government's total lack of action and the terrible outcomes described by the independent representative when it comes to the most vulnerable children and youth in our province. Minister of Family and Children Development. Thank you very much, Honourable uh, Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. Um, we are absolutely committed to making sure that every child is safe and happy and healthy uh, and is brought up with uh, loving parents. We know that the best outcomes for children and youth are for them to stay connected with their family where it's safe, for them to always stay connected to their family, to their community and to their culture as well. We are taking steps to change how services are delivered in British Columbia. We know that for far too long, Indigenous children and youth have been overrepresented in the child welfare system, and we're making significant changes in the system to uh, make sure that we address that overrepresentation. Members of this House know that we passed important legislation last year to support Indigenous nations exercising their jurisdiction, so nations will be delivering services for children, youth and families in their communities. And uh, the bill has just passed third reading that supports our work on youth transitions. So we know again that the outcomes for children and youth leaving government care, um, they are terrible outcomes and they're disproportionately represented uh, in so many terrible statistics, including uh, the super highway to homelessness, honorable speaker. Well, we are implementing for the first time in British Columbia, a suite of comprehensive supports that support young people to still have a home after the age of 19, to have access to rent supplements if they're in market rental. There'll be income supplements, access to more education and more cultural supports, Honourable Speaker. There is a lot more work to do, but we have started the work. I'm hearing from children and youth and young people um, saying that it's making a real difference in their lives. And that's the work that we'll continue to do to help children and youth thrive. Member for Peace River South, supplemental. You know what would have made a real difference? is actually action from this government. And meanwhile, those are hollow words for 528 children, 528 children that have died while under the responsibility of this government. You know, the independent representative for children and youth points to factors such as the overdose, overdose crisis, mental health issues, violence, sexual exploitation. The NDP government's <laughs> response actually has been shamefully, shamefully inadequate. And I read a quote right out of the report the outcome of this inaction of this government is seen daily in the injuries, the deaths, and individual advocacy issues reported to the RCY. 
From 2017 to 2021, the representative actually has provided 63 recommendations in 10 reports. And what's happened under this government? Nine recommendations, 14% have actually been looked at and completed. That is not action, that is failure, and families and children are paying the price. So how does the Premier square his government's glaring inaction on 10 reports, dozens of recommendations, compared to the promises that his government once made? Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. It is absolutely vital and we're absolutely committed to making sure that children across British Columbia have safe, happy and healthy uh, lives with their families, with families who love and support them. And we agree with the representative that when it comes to her recommendations, the impacts of those changes on the ground need to be felt faster. But, Honourable Speaker, Work is underway on all of the recommendations of the representative for, for children and youth. Rather than making cuts, like under the previous government, our government has been investing every single year in this ministry in providing more services and delivering more access to services across British Columbia. We're absolutely determined to keep taking action we are working on transforming the child welfare system. We're making a difference in how services are accessed and how services are being delivered to children and youth to help them and to help their families, to help them stay together, because we know that that leads to the best outcomes for children and youth. We are taking action on the recommendations of the representative for children and youth. We passed really significant legislation last year. For the first time ever, young people transitioning from government care are able to access services to help them Thank thrive. You. And at the same time, Honourable Speaker, Thank you. at the same time, every single day, we are working with children and youth and families. Member for Caribbean North. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker. The truth is that re report clearly highlights that action has not been taken. Contrary to what the minister just said, only 14% of the recommendations of the representative children and youth have actually been completed. So let us be clear, this is what the representative says on page 10 of the report. And I'd like to quote, of the 10 calls to collaborate with young and young adults, only one, only one has been completed. Most alarmingly, and the minister talks about the work with the Aboriginal communities, none of the 14 calls to engage with Indigenous communities have been completed. End quote. None. This minister can stand up and talk about all of the work that has been doing. This report shows that action has not been taken. Every member of the Committee on Children and Youth, and there have been many members in this legislature that have sat on this committee, have heard the painful stories detailed across <laughs> multiple reports from the representative. Once again, this government says one thing, but fails to deliver outcomes. How could the Premier and his NDP government have failed to do more than a mere 14% of the recommendations, knowing that the catastrophic consequences this inaction has on our most vulnerable children and youth. Minister. 
Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And every single day, my ministry is absolutely committed to making sure that we serve children, youth and families in British Columbia. We're doing that work every single day, Honourable Speaker, at the same time as responding to recommendations from the representative for children and youth and making really significant changes to the whole of the, the child welfare system, to how children, youth and families are able to access services and be served. And I understand uh, and agree with the representative that when it comes to her recommendations, we want the impacts to be felt faster on the ground. And many of our actions are already being felt on the ground. We have hundreds of young people transitioning from government care who are now receiving a $600 a month rent supplement if they're in market, if they're in market um, rental. We raised the rates to, for caregivers, Honourable Speaker. We raised the rates for foster carers and extended family carers by 47%. Because that rate had been frozen for 10 years, Honourable Speaker. And we have harmonised the rates so that there isn't an incentive to come into foster care, so that uh, young people can stay connected to family and they can stay with extended family. We're making different choices, Honourable Speaker. We're investing in services. The budget for my ministry has gone up every single year since 2017. And I hear from young people and I hear from families that they are feeling the difference on the ground of our investments in services, in supports for families, and in helping them stay safely together and stay connected to their family, community, and culture. Thank you. Member for Peace River North. Well, unfortunately, that is cold comfort for all the kids that are being impacted by the over and over failures of this government. The representative says on page 19 of the report that this government's inaction has denied children essential services, stating that they, and I'll quote, will not see the impact of this important work during their childhood, end quote. It's hard to believe that only 14% of the recommendations have been done. Let that sink in, 14%. Ignoring dozens and dozens of urgent recommendations across multiple reports that we've heard. No recognition or acknowledgement of the 528 deaths. So my question is to the Premier. How can the Premier possibly explain his government's inaction, complete failure to protect our most vulnerable children and youth? Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. It's an absolute tragedy when a child or a youth dies, and uh, my heart goes out to all the family and community who knew children and youth who have tragically passed away. When we formed government in 2017, Honourable Speaker, we inherited a very damaged and broken and uh, under-resourced system serving children, youth and families. And since 2017, we have been investing in increasing services, increasing access to services, making sure that we're supporting children and youth stay safely with their families. Honourable Speaker, we know that children are going to thrive if we're able to keep them connected to their family, to their community, and to their culture. And we have seen changes in practice, changes in policy, changes in legislation. Young people transitioning from government care now, for the first time ever, have a suite of supports and services so that they will be able to thrive and they don't dread their 19th birthday. We are acting on, and work is already underway on all of the recommendations 
uh, from the representative for children and youth. The role of that office is very important and, uh, and together we will continue to make improvements in the system. At the same time, we are taking other measures, changing legislation, changing investments, changing policy to benefit children, youth and families. And every single day, Honourable Speaker, staff from my ministry are working to support children, youth and families and help them thrive. Thank you. Member for Prince George Wilmont. Well, the fact of the matter is this government wasn't elected yesterday. They are a two-term, more than six-year government. Mm -hmm. And the minister needs to haul out the report and take a look at the chart. Critical injuries have gone up every single year under this government's yeah. watch. Every single year. And it is not our words. It is the words of the independent representative. And here are the facts for the minister. It's not one report. Report after report after report told this government they needed to do more to protect children. And here's the bottom line, 14% of the recommendations. That's the record of this Premier and this government. Of the 110 child and youth deaths reported last year alone, a tragic 23% were substance use related. And yet 89% of the representatives' mental health recommendations have been ignored by this government. The ministries of health and mental health and addictions were identified by the representative as the least responsive. And the excuses for delays were outright dismissed by the representative. Here's what she said. There was inaction both before and after the pandemic, end quote. Not our words, the words of the representative. By every single measure, this Premier and government have failed the vulnerable children in this province. Complete inaction over five years on 89% of the recommendations. That's the record of this government. So will the Premier stand up today and provide answers to families in British Columbia how they could fail so abysmally and completely ignore the representatives' recommendations that would protect the most vulnerable children in this province. Minister. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. Our ministry is absolutely committed to serving children, youth and families here in British Columbia. Every single day, our staff, we have staff here today in the gallery, Every single day, our staff is working hard to keep children and youth safely with their families and to make sure that children and youth are connected to their family, their community, and their culture. Because, Honourable Speaker, we know that that is going to lead those children and youth to be able to thrive. Work is already underway on all of the recommendations from the representative for children and youth. And since 2017, Honourable Speaker, we have been making changes. We've been making changes to the way that services are delivered, that services can be accessed. And rather than making cuts, Honourable Speaker, like what happened under the previous government when the other side was in government, we have been investing in services um, to support children, youth and families every single year since 2017, Honourable Speaker. We have the lowest number of youth in care. It's the lowest it has been in 30 years. 
and we have the lowest number of indigenous children and youth in care, the lowest in over 20 years. We have changed legislation, we have changed policy, I have seen practice changes, I hear from young people and from families that their experience is different and that they are able to stay connected with their family and keep connections with their community as well. So there is more work to do, Honourable Speaker, and we will continue to um, we will continue to act on the recommendations of the representative of children and youth. We will continue our work to change the, the system serving children, children and youth and their families. And every single day, Honourable Speaker, our staff will continue delivering those services and supporting children and youth and their families to thrive. The bell and the caution period.